Welcome, change agents. I'm so glad you're here. This is Cheryl Klein, and you're listening to the Limitless Leader Podcast. It is a very special day. I'm really excited to have this conversation with Karen Pella of Oracle. Karen, you've accomplished so many amazing things. I cannot wait to learn from you some gems of wisdom. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, so, you know, before we get into, you know, your journey, uh, how you've achieved what you have, the impact that you're having at Oracle and these gems of wisdom that we're talking about, I thought we'd take a look back and find out a little bit about your story, what has inspired you to get into the work that you're doing, and also what has inspired you and given you really the mental toughness and perseverance to be a woman in technology for the last, I would imagine, couple decades. <laughs> it has been a couple decades. <laughs> um, okay, so give me a little bit about, about, about my story. Um, I am from Philadelphia. I grew up in the city. I went to school in the city as well. Uh, I went to a local, very strong local business university, uh, local university in, in studied business. I, it was St. Joseph's University, in case anybody wants to know. Um, I started as a, I'm trying to think, I started as a marketing major because I wanted to be in sales because that's what my father did. You know, that was what I knew and that's what I understood. And thought it was interesting and exciting. And then I realized that's not for me. That that was, I don't have that personality for that. So I added a um, um, information systems as a, my secondary major and realized that computers was something and technology was something that I was very interested in. And it, it grabbed my attention and I, I wanted to do do more and learn more about it and be, a, be part of that industry. Um, I was lucky enough. I you know, out of college, had a job and worked for a company called Primavera Systems. And I started, I started at the bottom, I started in technical support, you know, I was hired to be on the phones, talking to customers, helping them with their problems. And through that, I realized also that maybe I didn't have the personality to be in sales. But I do like to talk to customers, I do like to talk to people, I like to interact with with others. Um, and helping them solve their problems, you know, that's why they're calling. They have a problem. Um, helping them solve a pro their problems was it, it made it made me feel good. It made me, you know, I enjoyed that work, even though it was sometimes very stressful as, as someone screaming at you on the other end of the phone. Um, but it was something that uh, kept me interested. And I started, as I said, I started with Primavera, and we were small. We were a small company, and being as part of that small company, I had opportunities to do things that you may not have in a larger company. When I started there, there we didn't have a consulting organization because we were so small and it wasn't something that we did. Um, but as we started to realize that we needed a consulting organization, people from the customer support organization were going out and doing customer, were doing consulting. So I got to go out to customer sites and, and help them solve problems or set up systems and, you know, get them moving as, as part of their implementations. And uh, as you know, learned through the years that I was interested in, like I said, helping customers and my, my journey within the organization, you know, moved, I was in customer support, uh, did some, you know, when we had the consulting, I did training, I did, you know, you do it, you do a breath of things when, when you're in a role like that in a small organization. And 
moved up into a management role and I was, I, you know, I was a manager of, of support people for, for many, many years. And, um, you know, as we started to develop very large customer bases, you know, very, you know big companies were using our software. We needed a program to, um, what we called corporate support. So we had a dedicated team just for our, our largest customers. And I, I wanted to run that. I wanted to be in, involved in that and worked with teams where we supported our, our largest, our largest organizations and helped them through their implementations and their solutions. And, you know, we were on, on the phones with them 24 seven type of situations. And it was difficult. Sometimes that's difficult and stressful, but it still was, um, I realized that, you know, being part of that organization taught me a lot. I learned, when you're in support, you learn everything, right? You learn you learn the products very well. You learn every, you know you learn all the solutions that you have to support. And at the time, you, you supported every, when I was there, you supported everything. Um, you weren't specialized in any particular product. Uh, you learn how to test. You learn how to interact with customers and you know help them do implementations. You you, you learn a lot. You learn all about the organization, and it's a great training ground as a as a way to you know, as, as a place to start in a company, you don't have to start out in, I'm in development operations now. I had never knew my path was going to bring me there as when I started out in support. Um, after I, I did, I worked in support for a very long time, you know, as you know, on their phones, you know, managing organizations. And I started to realize that I wanted to make a difference in the products themselves. I wanted to help define or help solve or fix the problems that our customers were having. I wanted to be on the other side of it. I wanted to be on the side of building the solutions and helping build those, the, the products for the customers. Cause I knew what they needed. I knew what they wanted. I knew how to talk to them. So I wanted to be part of the development side of it. Um, but I'm not, I'm not a programmer. I'm not a technical person. I, I know enough to be dangerous in that, in that world. Um, so I found it, but I did find roles within our development organization that allowed me to be creative, um, solve problems, talk to customers, um, and make the products better. And I moved into what at the time we called functional designer. Now sometimes it's called uh, business analyst type of role where we were taking requirements and defining what it looked like. Um, back then, we didn't have user experience, so we had to. We used you know Microsoft Paint to make mm -hmm. screens and make them look pretty, so that the developers could build them. But you know, it was it was um, a nice transition from understanding how our customers use the software to being able to take that knowledge and help build better solutions for our customers. And I've had you know spent many years in our development organizations as well. You know, doing managing development teams you know we we were um we've done we do it yeah we were doing agile development at the time so we were i was running agile development teams you know programmers testers you know all of that um and moved had moved a little bit around from there because like you know we had gotten acquired by at so started at primavera i was i moved into the development organization we were acquired by oracle and uh for us for me in a development organization, I didn't feel much of a difference through that, cha that change. It wasn't big, a big challenge for us because they, they kind of, honestly, they, they let us do our thing. You know, the development organizations, we can continue to build and grow and do the things we needed to do. Um, so I didn't feel much of a transition to Oracle. Scary, definitely scary to go from a small company, small locally owned company to, 
to Oracle. Um, but it was it worked out well for us. It worked out well for me as I'm still here. Um, but I've had because I worked for a small organization and then I worked in, you know, being as part of Oracle, we were one of the um, what they call global business units. We sort of run a little bit independently and I was able to move to and try out different roles and different responsibilities and continue to grow within the same organization. So I started out of college with Primavera and I, it's, I think it's kind of rare to still in, in essence, I'm still with the same company you know, 20 some years later. Um, but I think that's because I, I was given the freedom to try different roles, try different opportunities and, and move around and learn, learn the business from different angles. So as I said, I was in development and then I moved into, we had, I, for a short time, I was in like a cloud management role where I learned, a, I knew nothing about the cloud at the time, but I was in a role where we were helping our cloud customers. We were, I was managing projects with our cloud customers and I, it was, I got thrown into the fire and I learned about the cloud business with no experience at all, but it was a great opportunity. I, I was there for you know a number of months. I actually wasn't there that long, but it was a great opportunity for me because I was sort of at a dead end in the development roles that I was in. And I jumped into this cloud role thinking I'm going to learn all about the cloud. And I did. I, I don't know everything, but I, I knew enough. Um, and at the time, that was it was a growing area that we didn't know enough about. And it was I got to learn with my peers. I got to learn with my organization. And we all grew together about how do we do this? How do we support customers? How do we you know, deliver cloud solutions? So it was uh, I learned a lot and then moved into the opposite side of a development role, uh, which is what I, you know, what I think of as the opposite side. It was product strategy. So I moved into a product strategy role where instead of taking in the development organization, I was taking the requirements and building the solutions or helping build those solutions on the development, on the product strategy side, I was figuring out what are those requirements, talking to our customers, going to conferences, meeting with customers on a regular basis to talk about what's the next thing that they need that's going to drive the business forward and, and make our customers happy. And, and then working with the development teams to prioritize, build and you know, get those things to market for our customers. So I've seen both sides of that world. And um, now I'm back into in a development organization where we're, um, Oracle has, I mentioned we were part of the construction and engineering business unit. So Oracle has a number of different business units. Each of those business units has their own development organization and they sort of run independently of each other. Um, I'm in a role now where we're sort of working across those business units and, and across those development roles. And I'm getting to um, I'm working towards helping them. You know, can we provide and and streamline processes so that we're more efficient, that the developments, you know, this is how this is how Oracle releases products, cloud products. How can we improve that process so that all the GBUs or the business units are consistent? It's if it's fast, it's easy to use, it's intuitive, and we can get products out to the market faster and, you know, cut through the red tape, those types of things. And we're also doing a lot around helping the business units understand their business, understand their product portfolios um, so that they're making the right decisions and they're, they're, um, they have the information that they need to understand their products the product stance, whether that be from a revenue perspective or from a technical perspective, an architecture perspective, where do they need to, where can they improve their products so that they can, you know, improve 
their margins or their bottom line or, you know, whatever, reduce their costs, those types of things. So um, seeing the business from all different angles. And, you know, I've, for me, the important piece to it has been I'm, I, I'm always learning. You know, now that I'm cross business units, I'm learning about all the different all the different business units and what, what the kinds of customers that they were solve or pro- customer problems that they solve and how they work with within the different industries. And uh, for me, that's an important part of my journey through my roles is, am I always learning? Am I always learning more about myself, more expanding my, my skills um, and learning more about the business. And that's been important to me and, and has been something that, I've been able to do in within the same organization for a lot of years. Um, and also as I, you know, the, the customer angle for me has always been important being able to talk to customers, understand customers. I'm in a different role now where my customers are internal. And that, that was a bit of a shift for me because I'm used to getting out and, you know, going to conferences and talking to customers, being on the phone with them and under, you know, talking about what they're doing, how they're using the software. Now my customers are, other Oracle employees, which is a little bit different, but um, it's like I said, it, it's, it's, it's always been, a, it's a good challenge and it, it teaches me something every day. Yeah. And I want to pull out a couple really, I mean, you said a lot of important things, but one thing is, especially for emerging leaders, it sounds like sometimes maybe we have in our minds something that we went to school, we're going to do this, or we're, you know, this far into our career path. And we want to get from here to here in in this vertical or whatever. But one thing that uh, it seems like you did that ended up maybe it wasn't perfect at the time, but it ended up ended up really serving you is that just be willing to learn where you get put. And maybe assume that you know if you end up in one position that's not in your mind is ideal. That maybe it's for a reason, and maybe at the end of the day, it's really going to help you. And so, I, think I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I think that is really important for emerging leaders to keep in the back of their mind, because it seems like you knew from fairly early on that you wanted to interface with customers, but maybe you weren't in the frontline salesperson. So you could have definitely made the shift a lot earlier, but you were open to um, seeing different sides of the business when those opportunities arose. And at the end of the day, you ended up where you were meant to and where you wanted to be. Yeah, I, I agree with that. It's it's been it's definitely been a journey of you know is, is this the right thing for me and this is where is this where I want to be and and how does this you know how do I keep moving forward not necessarily forward up the ladder but forward for myself for my own personal growth and you know I, I mentioned that I, I worked for a while in a in a cloud type role and I wasn't there very long and and part of the reason I wasn't there very long was it took me away from the customer in that I wasn't, I was managing people internally and I wasn't really talking with the customers as much as I wanted to. And it took me away from what I realized when I was in that role was, yeah, I was sometimes talking to customers and I was dealing with customer issues, but it took me away from a role where I could help make things better for the customers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, especially on the product side, it took me away from the products, which is where I was, was really, was important to me. So that's when, when another opportunity opened up in, in the product strategy organization, that's probably a better fit for, for what I want to do and where I want to go. So I may, I slightly detoured, but as you said, it was a great, 
it was important that I did that because it taught me things that I didn't have any experience with. And it, it really helped. It helped me in other ways in, in terms of, you know, now I have a knowledge of cloud that I didn't have before. So as I'm developing product, I'm making a better, better decisions for our cloud customers. Yeah. So, so yeah, there's definitely detours along the way. Yeah. And it seems like you always had that, that North star, but you were just gave yourself permission to kind of take a little detour knowing that you would end up back there. And I think that that is so important because if you think back that if you were very rigid, then you probably, maybe you wouldn't have the opportunity or be able to serve at this amazing level that you're serving at right now. So I think that's really an important message. And also, you know, going back when we were talking about it a little before and also going back to the topic of this discussion when it when we were talking about um, keeping products and people on track during disruptive times, you know, this is, we touched on it a little bit, but you know, 2020, okay, as my best friend always like to say, it is what it is or it was what it was. And then <laughs> seemed to hobble very competently through January, like, or, you know, they just kind of made it through. But now February has been pretty rough. And we're, for a lot of people, at least what I'm hearing from one-on-one -on -one clients, some of the cohorts I'm working with. And can you shed a little bit of light on how to keep help keep people, this is a twofold question, how to keep people and products on track during disruptive times. And also too, it under, and this is under the umbrella of this question, but if you have people in, in an organization that are disruptive and maybe they're emotional contagion or maybe they're negative or something, what can you shed a little light on, generally speaking, some advice on how to manage products and people during um, now that we're in year two of the pandemic, but also too, when you layer it on some people that have kind of hit the wall, but done it in a bad way. And they're kind of spreading and kind of infecting, I hate to use that word, but infecting other <laughs> the negativity. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think the key word there is flexible. You have to be flexible during these times. And one of the, the things that I have been really stressing with my team as well as the products that we're building for the for the organizations is it's okay to hit that wall um, and take some time for yourself and understand that we're working and living in crazy times right now so it's not going to be like it always was and and you know especially when the pandemic started um, most of my team we were in the office together and I have a couple, I had a couple of remote people, but most of my team was located in, in this centrally in the same office. And we all started working from home and there was a period of adjustment for the entire team that started to work from home because they weren't used to it. And they, they felt, uh, I, I remember having conversations with a couple of different people on my team about how they felt unproductive the first couple of weeks, first couple the first month or so, because it was just such a shift. And what I kept saying to them was give yourself time. It is, it is a change. We'll get through it. Um, it's okay to not, to not always feel productive because it, it, it is going to be a challenge for all of us. And it, it was that giving my, I feel like giving the team is, and I'll talk a little bit about the product as well, but giving the team the ability to say it is the ability for them to know that they could be okay and I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm saying this right, but giving them the freedom to 
or, or the ability to accept that they, maybe they didn't have the best day today, but they'll do better tomorrow. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm not looking at them every day and saying, what did you produce today? What did you, you know? It's, I understand because I'm going through it too. And um, I think that has been for me, the most important piece of being able to keep my people productive is making sure that they understand that it's, we can be flexible. You know, I've had people who have had to take time off for, you know, go, go work with, you know, help take care of family members, go do what you need to do. Um, and, and trying to help them strike that work-life balance is, has been extremely important, I think for my team. And also, trying to have fun with them too. Mm-hmm. And we, we do our, we do our weekly staff call and you know, we talk about topics that we need to cross team topics, things that we have to discuss as a group. Um, but every now and again, I try to throw something a little bit fun into the mix for, for our weekly call just to, you know, off topic, but just to have a little bit of humor and enjoyment in their, in their, in their work day, because you don't get that when you're not together in an office as much. And you might walk by somebody's desk and make a funny comment and you laugh for a few minutes and you release some stress, but you don't have that when you're working from home all the time. So um, just trying to do, you know, and I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, you don't see me running around trying to play games with people in the office all the time, but I feel like there's been an opportunity that this is a good thing to do every now and again. So, you know, in fact, this past week we did, we just did a little quizzo type thing on our, on our staff call. And I asked a bunch of questions and tallied points and, you know, we made fun of each other about, you know, who got the wrong answer, who got the right answer, but it was a good stress reliever and reminder to the team that, it's you, you have to let off some of that steam as, mm-hmm. as, and just, just enjoy each other's company sometime too. Um, and I think that helps them stay productive. And I've also had conversations with my team where I'm like, if you just need to vent to me, just to share how, you know, you're tired of the snow because <laughs> we have a lot of snow out here right now. Um, I'm okay with that too. And you know, I'm not going to, it's okay to, to, it's okay to, to feel a little down sometimes and, and feel unproductive, but get back right back on that horse and you'll, you'll get your things done. Mm-hmm. Um, for our product, it's been, it's, it's been a challenge sometimes for that same reason, because my team has been there. A lot of my team is developing product um, and it does impact some of that productivity. Um, it's being realistic about and flexible again, about what our deadlines are when we can deliver things Um you know, I had a, a, a good chunk of my team uh, working on Oracle has been involved with heavily involved with building pandemic response applications for all the things that are happening with COVID. And I, a couple of my team members worked on those projects and I'm proud of them for doing those, for being involved in those projects. They were stressful, but they got it done and they're helping. I, you know, I joke with them like you're helping save the world. It's a good thing. It's as stressful as it is. You're helping you're helping mankind. So it's important, um, but it slowed us down. You know, because I had two two very productive team members who, who weren't available for you know three four months. Um, wow, so I it, it say days. <laughs> no, it was months. It was months, and it was it was a challenge. But it was for me as the leader of the team, letting the team know that it's okay. You know, letting you know my team members who they were trying to do both. They were trying to you know complete the things on my backlog and do their their work for the pandemic. Just forget our backlog. You, you have to do what you need to do for, for the pandemic. Um, but then from my end, it's, I needed to make sure as the leader of the team, I'm communicating up and out where we are 
and why we are where we are. You know, okay, we can deliver this, but it's going to be delayed. And here's why. And being honest with people about, you know, here's where we are. Yeah, we'll get it done. We'll, we'll meet our deliverables, but it may, well, well, we'll, we'll meet our objectives. It may be delivered later than we had originally planned. Um, and that's, I think that has helped both the product and the team because they know that it's okay that, you know, I'm here mm-hmm. and they can, you know, they may have days where they're not as productive and that's okay too. I mean, we don't want that every day, but it's, it's, it's reality now, you know, kids yeah. in the background, dogs barking. I know. Okay. so it seems like flexibility is important and also flexibility for yourself for your team and just really keeping you know well keeping your eye on the prize and also being very honest and having that sometimes takes a lot of courage to be honest and especially when you're reporting to your leadership or reporting to board and just saying we have full understanding of what's expected of us, we will deliver it. Um, and this is a more realistic timeline and this is why. I mean, sometimes that sounds so important, but it does take a remarkable amount of courage, I'm sure, sometimes. It does, and it's, but it it has served me well over the years as, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I've always been that type of person. I'm always gonna be honest with you. And there are times where, yes, some I, I'm honest and someone will say that's the wrong answer, but you, you know, it hasn't killed me. So I keep going forward and I keep, but there are, but more often than not being honest gets me to a better place. Mm-hmm. And so I've, you know, I, I can, I feel, I feel comfortable going to my executives and my management team and saying, yes, this is where we are. We may be late, you know, um, because I've done it enough and it's been the right thing to do. And I, I meaning, let me say that again, I've done it enough and it hasn't hurt me. Mm-hmm. It's actually helped me rather than hurt me. So yes, it's scary to do that and to be honest like that, but you realize in the end, you have more credibility because you were open and honest about where, where, where things stand and what, what the situations are um, rather than hiding things and, it being a surprise at the end that, oh, sorry, I didn't tell you we were like we were going to be late. No, you, you do that up front. You set better expectations. I think it, it actually reflects better on you. And, you know, I have a reputation. I think I hope I have a reputation as someone who's honest and and open about where we are. And that has served me well. Yeah. So that's an incredibly important message, at least when I'm what I'm hearing is not to be a yes person and say, okay, yeah, no problem. And just take everything and kind of avoid the uncomfortableness up front, but really build your case. And in your case, you have proof and data and facts about how this has served you in the past. So you can start to accumulate that. And that's really helpful too, because it can, it can back up your decision and why you're doing what you're doing and why you will in fact end up on top. So to really lean into that uncomfortableness and be very honest and upfront in the beginning rather than so you can in the end deliver or over deliver rather than promise upfront and under deliver. Yes, I agree. And those uncomfortable conversations, whether it be you have to, de- you have to deliver the message that the, the product isn't going to be ready on time or it's an uncomfortable conversation with an employee 
where, you know, they may need some feedback on, you know, how to do, you know, they, some job coaching. And those, those conversations are uncomfortable. Um, but the more you do them, the, the more comfortable you come, become with them. And as I said, you, you learn from experience that in the end, the result is probably better than had you ignored it. Um, yeah. So yeah, it does yeah, work. Definitely for sure. I've seen it yeah. both ways over and over and I can back you up a hundred percent. Of course, you know, with the background I have and the work that I do, I have to ask you what, you know, at the end of the day, you're a woman in technology, you have been for the last couple of decades, what mindset has allowed you not just to stay in the game, but to really um, climb the proverbial ladder and not just that, but to have a real impact? Um, it's a very good question. And I think for me, I was, you know, I, I someone was asking me earlier about this and I said, I, I don't, I know it's, what have I learned from being a woman in tech? I've learned that I need to, I need to be, not be afraid to speak up. And um, I think you and I had talked about this before was I'm one of the things that I took as my mindset as, as I moved up in the organization, even when I was, you know, just an individual contributor being asked my opinion on something, being in a meeting where we're sharing ideas and thoughts, I, I took the opportunities to speak up and speak up early and often. And mm -hmm. in some cases that may sound, and you may hear that and you may say, wow, that's aggressive, but it's assertive. It's not aggressive. It's assertive. And I believe that women need to be more assertive in those situations. Um, I think that has helped me because that was always my mindset is I'm, while I listen to other people's ideas, I also don't sit back and wait for someone to ask me my thoughts and my opinion. If, if we're in a meeting and there's, you know, people sitting around the table and someone asks, you know, what do we think about, you know, situation X, I will speak up. I, I'm not afraid to be the first person to speak up because I think it's important to be seen as someone who is willing to put their ideas out there, willing to talk through things, willing to um, you know, go out on that limb. And maybe I have a bad idea, but at least we're talking about it. Mm -hmm. And it also puts me in the forefront of people's minds as well. You know, I'm, they know that they will get a, an opinion or a thought out of me. And I don't just, you know, I, what I want, my mindset is I don't want to blend into the background. Mm -hmm. I want to be someone who is seen as I get things done. I'm not afraid to share my ideas. Um, you know, obviously, I want to listen to other people's ideas. I, I, want to, I want to be involved and included. And for me, that mindset has always been be the person who, who's willing to speak up. Um, and I think that has like, you know, same with speaking up and being honest, it has served me well, because, you know, I, I was able to grow my career within the same organization, which is unusual and, um, you know, move up the ladder. Yeah, and I would and encourage, I'm going to encourage other, especially women, don't sit back, speak up. Yeah. And I would say women and also too, it was brought to when I interviewed Kelly McElhaney, who's the, um, she's a professor at the Haas School of Business at Berkeley, but also the founder of Equity, Gender and Leadership. She 
made me aware, and I was embarrassed that I wasn't aware of it before, but especially women who are further marginalized within our gender um, to speak up. And uh, it's part of this might also be to have courageous allies because sometimes it is very difficult to do that, or especially if there are egos involved or some things involved that make it difficult. So yes, that is so important to speak up and be heard. And that is really what the focus and my dedication is to in my career is to help unlock that in women. And honestly, I have to tell you, this isn't just a message for emerging leaders. I have personally seen and work with amazing, amazing, incredible women that I'm so honored to have worked with one-on-one. Um, and they're internally confident, they're confident with their teams, but when they're speaking to the board, they're speaking with their peers or CEO, there's certain situations where they're not actually doing that. So your message is very important for emerging leaders, but also leaders such as yourself who've achieved a certain level of success and that now they have a voice, they have a seat at the proverbial table, but it's so, so important to have that voice at the table and not just be internally confident, but let your your voice and your ideas be heard. Because honestly, I feel like they're more important now than ever. Women have a different perspective um, mm-hmm. than, than, than men have. And it's not better or worse. It's not a comparison, but it's just different. And I just think collectively, if all female leaders and emerging leaders can really lean into this and do it well, then we can kind of help course correct the world, so to speak, and get things back on track a little sooner rather than later. It's true. And so, and so now if you were to leave everyone with a message, you know, what is the takeaway or something that people can kind of grab onto and take with them as they go about their days and their weeks and their months going further into 2021? Um, I would say, you know, you know, continue with my, the theme that I've been talking about is, you know, be strong, be, be confident in yourself. You're here for, you are, you are here for a reason. You were hired for a reason. You were in the, in the meeting for a reason. You were, you know, you, you've been included for a reason. Remember that as you're sitting at that table, at that proverbial table and feel confident to speak up and, and share your thoughts and, you know, yes, it's scary, but you sh- you need to do it. You should have to do it. And for the other message I would like to share and try to remember for other people is, especially women and emerging leaders, we have to support each other. And I think it's important to, you know, share, it's important to, as I said, support each other. But, you know, I, I, Cheryl, that was a great idea. Let's talk a little bit more about it and being being comfortable calling out those those other, as you mentioned, you know, we need to be more diverse, whether that be women or or different ethnicities or veterans, those types of, of, of groups. We need to support each other. And I, that's to me is an easy way to do that is, hey, that was a great idea. Let's talk about it a little bit more uh, rather than, you know, just letting a conversation continue. It's like, hey, wait, I want to hold on for a second. Cheryl said something really important right a few minutes ago. Let, let's circle back and talk about that. And so not just speak up for yourself, but speak up for others as well. I think that's really important in a, in a way that we can make the world a bit of a better place and, and get more, more, more voices heard. 
Yeah, I couldn't agree 100%. And even if we are doing that, we all have room for improvement. I imagine that you are better than most at doing that. But even we can always think about, okay, how can I do that a little better? How can I up level that and pull people up? Because at the end of the day, it's not just better for everyone. There's enough room for success for everyone. And what is really going to you know, put a course correction on the state of affairs is going to be a place of, it's going to be increased compassion. It's going to be, you know, lending a hand and lending arm at the end of the day benefits you, it benefits other people. And I think that is such an important message. So thank you for sharing that Karen Pilla. And thank you for sharing all of these gems of wisdom. I look forward to continuing to follow you. Keep on inspiring. And thanks for your time today. Thank you. I appreciate your inviting me and including me. This was this was a great opportunity. So thank you.